chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. In addition to your own Bible, you may find it on the back side of your message notes or beginning on page 793 in your worship Bible. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. This is the word of God. You may be seated. It is the year we now call A.D. 50. Just 20 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth was crucified on a hill outside of Jerusalem. Only 20 years have passed since that date. For three years, he traveled the Judean and Galilean countryside. He preached, he taught, he healed the sick, and he had a message which said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel, the good news. His powerful message and his works of healing raised the hopes of these impoverished and uh, depressed people, and they began to gather in thousands to get healing from him, to hear him speak, and to wonder about whether or not this really was the promised, long-awaited Messiah. But Jesus' message during those days was uh, very threatening to the political and religious elite. And before long, there was a trumped-up trial, and he was condemned and executed, crucified on a cross outside of Jerusalem. Now, to the, to, the religious elite, to the religious elite, he was guilty of blasphemy against God. And to the Roman government, he was guilty of sedition, of, of, of bringing up a revolution. And now there he was, hanging dead on a tree in shame and horror. Now, this story had happened only 20 years before the time of this event that Susie read for you. Only 20 years ago. That's not a long period of time. 20 years ago, it was 1997. Now, some of you think, I can't believe 1997 is only, tw is, is only 20, is 20 years ago. It's crazy how time flies. Only 20 years have passed. And today, here we are in the ancient Greek town of Thessalonica. It's a town which still exists today. You can find it on your map. It's a, in those days, it was still a, it was a burgeoning metropolis of about 200,000 people, the capital city of the Greek province of Macedonia. 
We read in that story about an itinerant preacher whose name was Paul, who's teaching in a Jewish synagogue. He's shown up in this synagogue, and among other things, he says, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And the word Christ is the word Messiah in the Greek language. This Jewish preacher in a town far away is proclaiming about that crucified uh, prophet 20 years ago. He says, this guy is the Christ. And I can't help but wonder, how is it that a man who was crucified in Jerusalem 20 years before is now being preached about in a Greek city nearly 1,500 miles today. I looked it up on Google Maps. It would take you 28 hours today to drive from Jerusalem to Thessalonica. Now, they didn't go that same route, but I have a feeling it took a little longer than 28 hours back then. It's a long ways away. 20 years had passed, and already this itinerant preacher in the back hills of Galilee is being preached about far away in a big city uh, in, in, in Greece, in, in Macedonia, the province, in the town of Thessalonica, and saying, this one is the Christ. How can that be? In any event, this message that the Apostle Paul preached about Jesus included the notorious claim that this Jesus who died was was in fact raised from the dead. Now, they were just as smart as you are back then, and they knew that dead people stay dead. They weren't just superstitious and believed in the old thing. They knew that dead people were stayed dead. But this message, and consistently throughout the book of Acts, the message is that this Jesus died, was crucified, was buried, but did not stay dead, was raised up from the dead. The audacity that this uh, uh, teacher uh, named Paul shows up in this town and saying, I'm going to tell you a story about a man way back 20 years ago, 1,500 miles from here, and his death wasn't the end of his life, but rather the beginning of new life. He was raised from the dead, and this guy who died 20 years ago is a guy who has pertinence and relevance for your life today here in this city of Thessalonica, Thessalonica in this synagogue. It included the notorious claim that he was raised from the dead. And surprising to us, we might think, this was eagerly embraced by some of the people in that synagogue. Some of the Jews responded in faith, and many, it says, of the devout Greeks who heard of that day were drawn to this story about the dead and risen Messiah named Jesus 20 years ago, way back there in Jerusalem. And right away then, a brand new community of Jesus followers was formed in the city of Thessalonica, Ecclesia Thessalonica. Now, when this started, not everybody was happy about it. Some people were very upset. And soon as that story, as Susan read that story, as soon a riotous crowd gathered around the home of Jason, where apparently the little band of Jesus followers were now meeting. We know nothing about this guy, Jason, other than this story. But he was apparently known to the the author of Acts' first readers. They must have known who he was because he just mentions him. They went to Jason's house. Just like we might say, you went to the preacher's house. Oh, I know who that is, right? You know, that's kind of what, what it's like. They showed up at that house, and they, they began to make accusations about this group. And they said these things. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Now, don't let that statement go by you quickly. Again, tw- 20 years ago, a man died in a town no one had hardly ever heard of, 
way back there. Of course, the Jews knew about it. Jerusalem was the mother city, right? Far away. And they are saying about this group, these people have turned the world upside down. How can that be? That in 20 years' time, in the town of Thessalonica, there had been such a change that had happened that people who were opposed to the story of Jesus could say, these guys have turned the world upside down and they're proclaiming a new king. Not Caesar, but Jesus. That phrase, they are turning the world upside down and proclaiming another king, Jesus, is to me an utterly preposterous and astounding accusation. How is it that within 20 years after a Jewish prophet was crucified, crucified in Jerusalem, a riotous crowd in the city 1,500 miles away can say, they're turning the world upside down? How did that happen? How in the world could that have happened? Why do I care about this? Because I'd like people to say that about us, wouldn't you? How many of you would agree that our, church, our world could use a little turning right side up? Wouldn't you agree with that? What was it is the question that's captured my imagination this week. What was it about this new community, this new message, this story about Jesus that enabled it in two decades' time to begin to change the landscape of the whole eastern Mediterranean seaboard? What was it about this story? What was it in in their lives, which created the, the kind of momentum that people begin flocking little by little, group by group, community by community, following after this uh, cr criminal who died on a cross that the people believed was raised from the dead. What do we learn about the way they went about church in those days that gave them the ability to literally change their world upside down, or as we might think of it, turn it right side up. What can we discover in this brief little story, only nine verses in the book of Acts, but representative of the whole uh, development of the church across, uh, 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 as it spreads throughout the book of Acts, what can we learn about how they went about church in such a way so as to literally change the lives of not only the people, but also the whole culture? Because I don't know about you, I would like to see our culture changed, wouldn't you? I would like to see my life change, wouldn't you? I would like to see the message of Jesus make a radical difference in my life, in our lives, and affect the lives of those guys riding on their bicycle up Cave Creek Road right now, those guys riding on that motorcycle that you hear going on right now, those people meeting everywhere looking at football games right now, people who are getting and doing whatever they're doing right now, does the message of Jesus have any relevance for them? If not, why not? And if so, how can we make sure that that message communicates to them? Well, I see three things in this text that I want to share with you about the way the Apostle Paul went about starting this brand new little church. And those three things, I think, will help us discover something about what's important for us as a church so that we can perhaps, we don't want to cause a riot. I'd rather not do that, even though that seemed to have happened. But to be the kind of church about which people can say, they're serving another king. They've got another king. They've got, they've got another, a leader, and their leader is changing the world, turning our, the world upside down. Wouldn't it be great if 20 years from now, 
Cave Creek would be an entirely different community because of the witness of this funky little church we call Church at the Chip that meets outdoors with chickens chiming in. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if something about what we're doing here today would begin to transform this community so that it could be known for more than just being an arts community, a cowboy community, a, a motorcycle community, a drinking community, a Western community, all these things. It can be a community where the gospel of Jesus has changed the landscape. Wouldn't it be great? What would it be like? Some of us are old enough to have a legitimate question whether we will be around in 20 years or not, right? Some of us have a le- legitimate question. Many of us will be. A lot of us won't be. But may God grant that this church can still be here 20 years from now. Long after our roles have changed here on this church, that there's still a community which is changing not just this community, but other communities and is effective. I think think if we can learn something from this little story in in Acts, we can learn something that would be helpful. There are three things I want to share with you. Number one, what were the characteristics that were evident in this Jesus movement? Number one, they taught the Word of God, they changed the world for God, and they followed the suffering King. Number one, they taught the Word of God. In the second verse, and Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. And this is consistent throughout all the book of Acts and the way that the apostle Paul went in. He would go in and he would teach from the Scriptures. And when he says Scriptures, he was teaching from the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament yet. He was teaching from the Old Testament. And what was it that he taught? He taught that explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ, again, read the word Messiah, for the Messiah to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Messiah. The apostle Paul made sure that when he went into a new community, he taught the word of God. You know, sometimes there's a pressure in American Christianity to have church be kind of a performance which makes me feel good, right? You know, I get an inspiring message when I go. You know, I get the music lifts me up, and and maybe I get something practical I can apply to my life, or perhaps that my children all get something that they enjoy. All of this, but the fundamental, and that, and that, that, that you know, the, the consumerism of our culture <laughs> begins to affect the way we go about church, and we think that it's our job to sort of give you a tidbit of help for your life, so you'll want to come back next week, right? But the Apostle Paul didn't look at it that way. He would come in, I want to teach you what the Scriptures have to say. And God help us keep that priority as a church. You know, um, uh, we're, we don't want to be a church of tips and techniques of how you can add God into your life and get a, come out a little better. We're trying to teach you the whole Word of God, this whole great big story, so that your little life story fits within the larger life story that God has been writing from the first of, of birth of creation until the new creation day. You know that story, that four-part epic drama of God's beautiful creation. 
which was broken by human rebellion, which God then rescued by his grace, first through Abraham, then through Moses, then ultimately through Jesus, that final faithful Israelite who died under the weight of the world's sin and rose to bring about new life so God's creation project could get back on track, ultimately leading to new creation, which was birthed the first fruits on the day Jesus rose up from the dead when death was conquered by his life and then was spread out as his spirit was given out in, uh, indiscriminately to all who would respond in faith to him. His spirit was given out to them so that they had the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ within them. And then they couldn't help but move out in the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ, becoming new creation people, living a new kind of life, and ultimately spreading the good news about Jesus all across the world until that day when ultimately Jesus will return and restore his new creation and live among us in God's new heaven a new earth, and, the, and, the, and, the, uh, and this whole life will have moved toward that objective, that big story. We've got to see that story. That's what the Apostle Paul was doing. He went in, he said, I want, let me show you from the Scriptures that the Messiah, which God had promised, which we're looking for, this Messiah who came, the Scriptures always showed us that this Messiah was going to suffer. Let me show you in the Bible. Look at Psalm 22, for example, he said, that's what Jesus said on the cross. Some of you remember reading that last week. Look at these stories about death and resurrection, about exile and homecoming, and see how this is the, what God has been doing all along, that suffering was a part of God's plan, that it was his intention for the Messiah to suffer so that then he could rise up from the dead. This is the story that really shapes the world, and some of them said, yeah, I really believe that story, and they became followers of Jesus. That's why it's so important that we teach the Scriptures regularly here at our church. And, in fact, we have, as you've already heard, various small groups or Bible studies that meet throughout the week. They'll all have a different shape. They'll all have, they have different leaders, different focuses, but all of them uh, will have a couple of things in them. One is they will read and study the Scriptures together, and they will seek to love one another as a family in those groups. So studying the Scriptures Sharing together as a family, those are parts of the things that really matter because that was one of the things that really happened in that early church is that they, they began to build their lives on the Word of God, but they also became a community of brothers and sisters underneath the Lordship of the Jesus Christ. The, in, that, in that church, we see that early on, Paul, right from the beginning, began to explain to them from the Scriptures. And so at our, at our church... We believe that if we faithfully teach the Scriptures week after week, month after month, year after year, we become new creation kind of people. He taught the Word of God, and that's one reason why the church spread like wildfire and the world was turned upside right. The second thing that we see that went on is, number, number one, they taught the Word of God, and number two, they changed the world for God. They had a life-changing, world-changing focus. We see that the gospel is always, always on the move. They're always on the move, and the world has changed as a result. I love that phrase in the sixth verse. They dragged Jason out and some of the brothers before the city council, the city authorities, and they said, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. 
They weren't just interested in getting spiritual tidbits for their lives. They were interested in making a difference in their world. And throughout the, the book of Acts, we see this happen numerous times. Last week, you remember, they, had, they were in the town of Philippi, and there was this uh, uh, fortune-telling slave girl, and they, you know, they, they set her free from her slavery and from her, uh, uh, from her oppression. And, and, and so people who made idols in the town of Ephesus found nobody was buying their idols anymore, so they had a riot over that, right? So people who had made money off of fortune-telling, taking advantage of poor slave girls, there was no more market for that because they were stopping to do it, and so they were angry. The, 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 the world began to change. The Christian gospel is a gospel on the move. It's always looking out. It's always moving out. It, it doesn't stand all by itself. Look at the way it moved in the book of Acts from Jerusalem to Samaria to Antioch to Philippi to Thessalonica to Berea to Corinth to Rome. Within 25 years, the gospel spread all the way to Rome. The church exists for mission. When it exists only for its self-preservation, it strangles itself. It strangles itself. That's why at our church we've tried to always have an outward focus, a looking outward kind of focus. That's why a couple weeks ago we gave a substantial offering for hurricane victims in her, in her, at Hurricane Harvey. And so, why? Because the church exists to serve people. That's why we're involved twice a month in helping to feed homeless people down in South, Tem South, uh, South Scottsdale, North Tempe, the Muir Park. Why? Because this is what the gospel does. It always looks out beyond itself. It remembers that Jesus said to us, freely you receive, freely give. And give means doing something outside of yourself. And so we give to do that. We also as a church, support a sister church that uh, you're going to hear about in a couple weeks. I'm very excited about it. DJ uh, is going to be coming. There's a church in Downey, California that we've been supporting for about a year now uh, where they planted a church in Downey. It's called Imago Day, and Daniel and his wife and his three children uh, and also my, my son and his wife are going to be, they're a part of that church as well. And Daniel's going to be here in a couple weeks, and he's going to tell you about that church. And we're, we're helping to support that. Why? Because that's what the gospel does. That's what the gospel does. I mean, we don't know for sure, but it says there that he was there in, in, in Thessalonica how long? It says three Sabbath days. Now, some have said that Paul was there for three weeks. We don't know for sure. He could have been there longer, only three Sabbath. But the point is, he was not there very long. And already he's going down to Berea and starting a church there. And from over there to Athens and over there to Corinth, all these places, because the gospel keeps moving forward. It keeps moving forward forward. And one of the things we're going to be doing next year is we're going to be helping to support a missionary in Thailand. We'll hear about that later this, later this next month. Uh, a, 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 a missionary over in Thailand. We're going to be helping to support that, uh, that as well. And we're going to be involved. with it. Why? Because the gospel is a gospel that's meant to be on the move. And so as a result, the moral, the racial, the economic, the religious milieu of that whole culture began to change because of what they had been doing. Am I getting distracted by the uh, Steelers game? Is that what's going on over there? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. Okay. So we'll finish up here quickly. All right. So we see that they taught the Word of God. They changed the world for God. And thirdly, they followed the suffering king. They followed the suffering king. King. It says that Jesus, they're, they're acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. Another king, Jesus. And he says this Jesus suffered and rose from the dead. 
Jesus, uh, the, the Jesus came and gave his life for others. He suffered and rose from the dead. And those who follow him then now are people who live like he did, giving themselves to their community. Well, I don't know what that means for you personally, but I suggest to you a couple of things. We just kind of close our time together. First of all, if you've never responded in faith to this Jesus, do it today. Respond in faith to the one who gave his life for you. And secondly, as you go out from here, go out here from here seeking to live in obedience to this new King Jesus. King Jesus. Let him control the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, the way you, the way you treat people who are different than yourselves. Let, let him control the way you handle to hardship and hard times. Let, live the suffering Jesus way. Give yourself away in your, as you, in your business and whatever it is that you do. Give yourself away to others. And if you do that, and if we do that, we will find that 20 years from now, this world will have been changed. This world will have been changed because we will become a community who has allowed the Word of God to shape our lives so the life of God can be existed through our lives so that we can give ourselves away to everyone as Jesus gave himself away for us so that ultimately we can find that, uh, uh, that, that the world has changed little by little. Now, in the, book, in the end of the New Testament, there's a little book that Paul wrote to this church. It's called The Letter to the Thessalonians. And he gave thanks to them, he thanks to God for them, because the word about their faith had spread all over the world, all over the world, the known world that way. And wouldn't it be great if someone could say, you know, Cave Creek, yeah, they have a, they have a great Western bar there, yeah. They have a lot of stuff there. But isn't there, didn't I hear about some, some church over there? Church that meets there in the Buffalo Chip? And, 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 and just as meeting there, every, haven't I heard something about that? <laughs> What a crazy place that must be. Wouldn't it be great if people knew about the Church of the Chip? One of the most amazing things that happens to us early on in this ministry, right after Christmas, the very first year, I got a call, a message uh, from uh, the New York Times saying, isn't there a church that meets? Are you the church that meets at a saloon? I thought it was a joke. <laughs> you know, it wasn't. The New York Times, when we were first getting going, had heard about the church that met in a saloon, and they wanted to come to do a story about the church in a saloon. I didn't think about this Thessalonian church at that time, but I'm thinking about it now. And I'm asking God, God, would you make us a people who are so committed to the Word of God, so committed to living, the, the, changing the world for God, so committed to following the suffering King that even across the world and across the country, uh, we might find people that are drawn to Jesus Christ because of the witness of the church at the chip. Let's have prayer as we close. Father, we're grateful and thankful. We're grateful and thankful that this story about Jesus didn't just move all the way to Thessalonica within 20 years, but it has moved all the way into our hearts, and the world really was changed by the message of the gospel. I pray that you'd help that transforming message of the gospel to change our hearts so that little by little, life by life, we can begin to change our community. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name. Thank you.